Wadsworth, am I right in thinking there is nobody else in this house? No. Then there is someone else in this house. No, sorry, I said no meaning yes. No meaning yes? Look, I want a straight answer. Is there someone else or isn't there yes or no? Um, no. No, there is or no, there isn't? Yes. Please! Well, there is still some confusion as to whether or not there's anybody else in this house. I told you there isn't. There isn't any confusion or there isn't anybody else? Either. Or both. Just give me a clear answer. Certainly. <clears throat> what was the question? Is there anybody else in the house? No! No! It's my favorite film podcast. We are back. Um, I believe a happy new year. It is 2024. This is our first episode of the year, so it's good to be back after our Christmas break. I am, as always, Gav Smith, your host, and I'm here talking about films, people's favorite films. This one's a really good one. I forgot how good this film is until I rewatched it for the show. My guest tonight is Mo Moshati. So hello, Mo. Hi. Hi. We made it, 2024. I know, it's crazy. For the people at home are going, oh yeah, 2024, we're actually still in 2023, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs) The illusion is spoiled already. Some more, I was looking on your website, you do so much stuff. Can you tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself and everything that you do, please? Sure. I am a screenwriter, author, producer, and lecturer within the horror genre. Um, I also write in the comedy genre, hence uh, one of the films we're talking about today was a huge inspiration for that. Um, But yeah, most of my lecturing for horror cinema concentrates on female trauma in horror cinema. Um, I recently just had a book published in July called Love the Sinner, which is a short story collection based on the seven deadly sins in one bonus sin, I always say, which is just a mortal sin. Um, So that came out in July through Bridget's Gate Press, can be found at Waterstones, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all the places you get your lovely books. And uh, I lecture throughout um, the States and into the UK, mostly through through Sheffield. So that's me. Excellent. Like I say, I looked on your website and there's just so much stuff there. I was like, how do I I know something like this? I was going to go with author, journalist, oh, then thought, no, do you know what, I'll let you do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I'm also <laughs> the editor-in-chief of a brand-new magazine. I completely forgot to uh, split that. It's wow, you, for, you forgot that you're the editor-in-chief <laughs> of a magazine. I did, I did. Well done. Oh. That, that's fairly oh, impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I do sleep in between these folks every now and again, just a little, yeah. just let the eyes close for a moment. and then Just, just a little bit. And she's back. <laughs> and you've just moved to the UK. Yeah, I just moved. Um, that's been great. And it's something that I'm I'm really working towards. Um, you know, obviously, like settling the my visa and job search and all, all of that. And I've always just been inspired by this place, even as a kid. And, you know, this was definitely where I, I feel like landing, especially in my, my lecturing sect, um, especially within the horror genre and the independent yeah. horror cinema yeah. um, here is just absolutely incredible. So it's, I'm, I'm very, very happy finally making and nesting here when I have the <laughs> time and energy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and you're here, so that's good. So yeah. this film, your favorite film, mm-hmm. as I kind of alluded to that at the start, it, it's a really good one, and it's one that we talked just a little bit before we came on that I'd forgotten how good it was. It was one of those films when sometimes I do this show, so I've done so many films now, and people come on and go, My favorite film is this, and you think, Really? 
that's that. And this was one of those for me. Out of I was everything, kind of, this really, one. This is your favorite film. But then rewatched it and thought, do you know what? I can I can see why it can be someone's favorite. It's got a lot more in it. I probably I probably hadn't rewatched this since way back when it was out back in what was it eighty five? It came out, so I probably mm-hmm. saw it sometime near that. And it's been a long time since I've seen it again, oh but it, it's a great one. It really is. Hold up. Yeah. So I'll let you tell everybody at home what the film is. And if you can, a plot synopsis should be easy enough. Sure. My favorite film is uh, 1985's Clue, which I'm really, really excited to talk about. You have no idea. Um, so <laughs> Clue is based on these six guests are anonymously invited to a strange mansion for dinner logline. Um, but after their host is killed, they must cooperate with the staff to identify the murderer as the bodies pile up. So definitely based on Clue, Clue I believe it's in the UK. Alan, yeah, um, yeah. um, um, Anthony Pratt uh, pitched that to Parker Brothers. Parker Brothers actually changed the name to Clue. It started off as Cluedo. Yeah. Um, but I, I really love this film because it has just so much in it. Um, that is just joyous. Um, and I will get to my love fest on Madeline Kahn later on in the show, <laughs> um, who I fell in love with her work with, um, you know, Mel Brooks. My mother is a huge Mel Brooks fan. So yeah. it was, it was an easy pathway to, to this film. Yeah. So when did you first see this film? Was it at the cinema? Did you see it straight off? Or I actually didn't see it in the sure. cinema. I probably didn't see this movie until we didn't really go to, we weren't very, very affluent growing up. Um, so cinemas were really saved for, you know, what do you want to see on your birthday? Yeah. Or what are we yeah. going to see on Christmas? So it wasn't, I didn't get to be an avid um, cinema viewer until I was well into my teens with an actual paying job. Um <laughs> I saw this um, when we started getting cable in the States, which was right. HBO, our home box office or Cinemax. And it yep. was on then that I had seen it. I It was on a Saturday morning. I, I clearly remember this. Um, it was on a Saturday morning and it was, I feel like it was either during the winter. Or it was early spring. It was still there was snow on the ground. The weather was terrible. Yeah. Um, and we were all kind of hold, hold up. And like I said, not a very affluent household. Um, so it was like popcorn. Popcorn was the huge thing. Like kids, we're going to have popcorn. We're going to have popcorn at 10 AM. And it was really just because we were broke, but it was a huge surprise, you know, for the kids. <laughs> um, so we got to have popcorn in the morning and it was like, what's on. And at that point, you know, cable was still new, yeah, you know, yeah. and the MTV was only about four years old. So it was, everything was very, very, fairly new, um, with that coming across and, and clue was the first thing that came on. And I was like, no way, like that's a game. And we have that game and we've got sorry and we've got this. And so we watched it. And as we were watching it, all four of us, I'm the youngest of two sisters and, and my mother. Um, and as we were watching it, my mom's like, Oh yes, I remember hearing that Madeline Kahn was in this. Right. And, and then, so of course like that she's very engaged now. And I was from the very moment that the, that the theme music starts Yeah. and you have this very ominous, um, you know, this, this castle like mansion yeah. um, in the, in the darkness, I was just enthralled. And by that time I had already kind of sneakily seen, <laughs> you know, of, you know, the, the, the shining I had already yeah, seen yeah. like Harry and all that stuff. And I was like, Ooh, it's going to be one of these. <laughs> um, and it wasn't, it was really like to my surprise. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nothing like that was, at all. <laughs> yeah, like, not at all. It was, it was really lighthearted. It's very slapstick. It's yeah. very um, vaudevillian. 
yeah. um, at times uh, rapid fire dialogue, which as, as I've gotten older, I've grown to hate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in this one, it works really well. It does. It does. Um, yeah. And that's the first time I saw it. I think I was about nine or 10. So it was after its theatrical release yeah. and, and well into cable. Yeah. So it wasn't something that you'd gone, I must go and see this film. It just, it happened to be on and you just happened across yeah. it with your family and it, complete accident. Oh, 100%, 100%. But what was really great about that was once you saw a movie and when um, HBO first came out, it used to come out with these little like square catalogs right. where you could see the whole like month of things that were happening, the whole schedule <laughs> that was like was on. And and at this point in time, when we didn't get this into the States until well into the 90s, Mm. was with like prime time things like that was a little bit too like risque or salacious for the kids mm. was on like past 9 p.m. They didn't care at all at this point in time. <laughs> like, anything on. I ended up seeing like the howling when I came home from school at 3 p.m. Wow. Um, but it was once you found a movie, the movie played all month long in certain times of the day. Oh, right, so all okay. I had to do was take a highlighter and just be like, where's Clue? Where's Clue? Wow. And just highlight it throughout the month. And I think I probably watched Clue in that month about nine times. Wow. In Every time month. it was out. And I was like, people were like, you've already seen it. My sister's like, oh my God, not a God. I'm like, <laughs> no matter where the movie started, if I missed it, I had to watch to the end or I yeah. could only watch a certain month. But I, I absolutely fell in love with it at first at first blush. And I think there's really only like one other movie um, from that time period that I really fell in love with. And that one's Labyrinth. But Clue, right, Clue yeah. definitely pumps Labyrinth a little bit for me. Yeah. So what was it about the film that had this 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 effect on you, this love that you suddenly grew for it? Well, obviously, the cast was really, really warmed on me. Yeah. Um, I think by that time, and I could have this wrong, um, I think by that time, I, I, I recognized Tim Curry. Yeah. Which <laughs> I still have a huge crush on Tim Curry. I recognized uh, <laughs> Everyone <Tim> has. Curry. <laughs> me and Keith. I mean, no <laughs> doesn't. Um, I, I recognized Tim Curry from a few other films, but I, I think I recognized him from, like I said, I had a very diverse um even though we we didn't go out to the cinema accessibility yeah. to films that were more adult for me my, my oldest right. sister is 10 years older than me so i i really kind of followed her what she had access right. to um and i do remember seeing um having access to rocky horror picture show right yeah um which at that po point in time was available through you know mom and pop video rentals this was yeah. pre-block days yeah 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 um, and i i recognize that and I, and as, as a child i think back why were you watching that i recognized tim curry and i was like oh and i i was just so engaged with you know when you have um and especially with my mother i think really for my upbringing and i i and i know i'm probably taking this thirty thousand feet and i will definitely no, get to the point um but i think being a la kind of a latchkey kid as my sisters were like my mother worked a full-time job, single mother went to worked a full-time job, went to college at night. So we yep. were really fending for ourselves until about eight or 9 PM. Wow. Um, okay. So it was, you know, weekends, we, we definitely were together. We tried to spend a lot of time together, but for the, yep. for the most part, we were um, pretty, pretty well adjusted to, you know, making our own dinner, our own breakfast, yeah. like kind of scheduling ourselves very yeah. responsible. Yeah. yeah. Um, girls which i guess was we we probably could have taken a lot more liberty than we did um probably 
really good at, but we were just like, oh, do I get in trouble? Um, but I think having that um, accessibility to to those types of films when we finally, when you know, when we were making enough money to get a television, to get a VCR, to get cable and things like that. But when we were growing up, it was board games. And it yeah. was just, you know, keeping yourself busy that way. I mean, I mean, if you if you do it well, Monopoly can take your household eight <laughs> hours to get through. Everybody knows that. Only eight um, hours. <laughs> only eight hours. House rules. We, um, we can play that for days. <laughs> I, I know. You know yeah, if you want to hold captive and really hold your ground on Baltic Avenue, you can make it last. Um, but it was really the, that board game piece that I was just like, I recognize this. This is fully formed for me already. Yeah. Now let's see what these characters that I'm so familiar with can do. Yeah. And that was so cool for me to be like, oh, I always pictured that, you know, and even on the, the box, even in the box in the early days, you know, you kind of see this very stuffy Professor yeah, Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, you know, like Christopher Lloyd and you've got this siren like Miss Scarlet and that's who she's supposed to be. She's yeah, kind yeah. Of supposed to be sexy. And and then the only thing like I, I feel like they changed a little bit. It's like I think in the, on the box when I was younger, Miss White was a maid. And then they brought in the yeah. character of that who became the maid. And then Miss White became the the widow. So I think I feel like they just kind of changed things for obviously yeah. for effect and, and and plot devices as the, the cook and a uh, vet and Mister Body. Um, yeah. But I think it's that board game piece for me that I was just so attached to it so quickly because it was like it was almost like a sequel to what I'd already been viewing right. and what I've already been doing. Yeah. And it was a real, like, it was like live action, what I've been doing for the last three years of my life, especially yeah. in the wintertime or snow days or things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Board like, we had a massive amount of board games. And I feel like when I was the last one to leave the house um, before I went to college and and just, and my mother moved. When, once I went to college, my mother was like, bye. And she kind of <laughs> got out of life and, and did all these things. But it was like clearing the house and seeing all these board games like piled up on a table. Yeah. Um, for a garage sale was just like it's really the end of an era we don't yeah, do that yeah. anymore yeah so I'm, I'm so i'm so happy that the convergence of like game nights are are, are taking are coming back yeah yeah coming back which is so great <laughs> so i mean obviously a big fan of the board game already was yeah how how do you think it translates from a board game to this film because i mean let's be honest the board game is based on every murder mystery there's ever been mm. and then they just yeah. go right <laughs> let's, this is the agatha christie thing let's stick that on a board game and then someone's gone but what if you took the board game and made a story from it, but it's based on stories anyway? How does that work? Is it the only board game you could do that with, or are there other ones? I feel like there's a bunch of them, you know, and before we give our ideas away for free. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough. <laughs> before we give our ideas away for No, I, I truly feel like there's a bunch of them you can do that way, and I think Clue just really lent itself to a film version because of the, the many permutations to it. And yeah. I think at, at the close of the film, we, we get into that. That's kind mm -hmm. of a play on that. Like yeah. how many different ways there things can be. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that might've been like the big motivator is mm. to, to really make this as, um, as interpersonal and as engaging as possible because we'd all, I mean, it was the eighties. We'd all yeah, yeah. lived in these board game worlds. Um, and I think that you, you see that, especially off of, you know, even like the, 
the the Pixar movies that are out now, I mean, I was just watching one of the new like Wreck-It Ralphs and, and being like, oh gosh, there's like aspects of like shoots and ladders in here. And there's yeah, yeah. like, you know, don't break the ice and like Cootie and, and like even just Atari and like Dig Dug. And there's like so many different, um, I think it just really plays on the nostalgia of it. Yeah, because I get that, yeah. genuinely taking a children's board game. <laughs> yeah. And putting adults in this movie where there is adult humor. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're trying to, I think the, not, and I, I could be very wrong, but I think one of the aspects that they were try, really trying to, to, to solve or to maybe to adhere to was to kind of bridge that generational gap that was sort of parting. Yeah. In, uh, in a technology-based world, what do we? What is a common denominator that we can both have? It's yeah. the board game, That's the board and game. how can we? How can we make that um, something that these generations can enjoy together? Hmm. Um, hopefully, I mean that's I'm, I'm I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I think you've I think you've answered the question. To be honest, <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean I think I think that that's and I think that's really smart marketing too. And yeah, also that's yeah. building marketing. Yeah. You but know? Do you think that the board game sold more items because of the film, or because I don't know? Oh, I've now looked at the stats to see if it did or not. I 100. percent I mean, we could look it up. I'm, I'm, I'm sure pretty sure that I'm sure that um, I'm. Oh, I'm sure that it did because I, I, you have so many. Um, and as I look at it now, we we own it. My youngest, who is 13, yeah. Um, we we have it, and the more. Yeah permutations those boxes go through like design wise yeah, and character yeah, yeah. design wise they morph into the characters of the film yeah yeah um, i suppose they, they are aren't they yeah yeah you're right so it's it's very interesting to see how you know art imitates film imitates art and it's yeah. kind of this full circle yeah. so i i would definitely say yeah yeah 100 percent that the the board game increased because everybody probably wanted it yeah, probably. I mean, they normally bring out a board game of a film if they do a film. So when the board game's already yeah. there, it's easy enough to just right. remarket it. <laughs> stick a picture of the cast on front, yeah. Right there. Things. Yeah. Got to ask about certain things because this is, it was written by John Landis, which I didn't realize mm-hmm. until I kind of rewatched it again. Wow, John Landis was involved in this, who at this point's already, you know, he's done lots of scripts, he's done lots of films. Yeah. We've had, already had, um, you know, Mark Welf and London out of him. We've had mm-hmm. all the other stuff that he's done, all the funnier stuff that he's done as well. Yeah. How do you think his comic? I mean, he's he's got a good comic heart to him. He's very good at his comic timing. Do you think he adds a lot to this? I mean, it, there's a lot of Landis to it. I think when I watch it, I think that this is in. I think this is a way for this is almost like in depending on like looking at the cast. I feel like this is mm. almost. Landis being like, this is what I've written. Yeah. You guys are pros. Yeah. Do whatever you want with what I've given you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you have these these people that are no stranger to improv. They're yeah, no yeah, stranger absolutely. to comedy, you know, in the, their own timing. Um, especially, you know, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, yeah. you know, we're getting into like Back to the Future era yeah, where yeah. He's, he's, you know, huge in that. The, the timing is an impeccable with the entire cast. Yeah. Um, and even somebody like, you know, like Leslie Ann Warren, who is not known for her comedy at that point, she's nope. kind of like a fatal and yep. um, which makes her a very easy Scarlet, just even 
in the writing and in the speed and the the levity pieces that are within that. Because if we're looking at this movie, it's a murder mystery. There shouldn't oh, be yeah. a whole lot of shouldn't be a whole lot of comedy going on. Not not um, really, no. <laughs> but there you is. Know. But I oh, really yeah. feel like this was his his way of being like, this is what I see. Um, I would love for the characters to do this. And I and I honestly feel like you just don't give someone like you know, like Martin Mull in 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 yeah. a scene and be like, please stick with like they're just going to do what they naturally feel like doing and it and it really yeah. enhances that. So I feel like this was almost like a love letter to the cast. Because um, yeah. I'm sure, obviously the script came before the cast, and yeah. you know, as Jonathan Landis, he surely got his way about things. Oh, I'm sure um, he did. Yeah, sure he didn't I, have to be like that, please. Yeah, um, I'm surprised he didn't didn't direct as well, to be honest, because I would have thought this was something yeah. he, he would have loved to direct. But he's given the and right. What's credit, interesting to, to, to is I feel like well. a lot of people forget about this. This is a Deborah Hill production, much like Halloween. Yeah. Um, this is a Deborah Hill production, which I absolutely adore. Um. Because I think that that um, definitely speaks to her heart um, in things and in knowing what I think the horror and comedy go yeah, so well together. Because yeah. obviously we're trying to get a reaction out of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either for either end of the spectrum, and yeah. you, you almost have to reverse engineer your story and say, "This is what I would like to do," and then how am I going to achieve that uh, yeah. later on? Um, but I love that. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it is interesting that he, he did not direct it. And I think that maybe that was him being a little extra hands off and just yeah. being like, I might not be the person to do this, but here's what I would really love to hear. Yeah. Um, from what I've written, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you, you got a big, and, and even in American, um, uh, werewolf in London, you've got those really, really great scenes in the movie theater that aren't supposed to be funny because nope, they are. Yeah. <laughs> look great. Um, but and they're they're quite funny and you you know you know writing Axel Foley and yeah. and, and like that I mean you you have to have a certain amount of timing especially when there's a there's a lot of physicality in this movie too there is yeah um which is where I feel like that like vaudevillian um piece comes through but yeah I think that I think there could have been a a, a lot of people to to do it but I think that his his timing is. Yeah. Really brilliant here. Yeah, right. I'm going to mention one other person because I feel I have to. Mm -hmm. um, one of my questions later on is your favorite actor, favorite character. I'm going to take mm -hmm. someone out of that equation. I hope that's okay. all right. Um, that's because fine. I have to mention Tim Curry because, yeah. as you've mentioned before, he, he, he's great. <laughs> I, I haven't seen a yeah. film with Tim Curry in that I haven't enjoyed, which is quite, mm -hmm. a, quite a bold statement, but I, I think it's true. Yeah. If someone can give me a, a name of a Tim Curry film that they think I won't enjoy, then... I'd love for them to write into me and let me know. But I think everything yeah, he does is just, <laughs> yeah, he's just brilliant. So what do you, I mean, and if you look at the cast in this, I mean, the assembled cast in this is yeah. an amazing cast. And you look, as you say, you've got Christopher Lloyd, who's basically just come off the back of Back to the Future. So he's mm -hmm. probably at the top of his game at this point. I mean, he's, he's done a lot of films before this and afterwards, but Tim Curry shines through. Why do you think mm -hmm. Tim Curry shines through so much with this type of cast? I think he's definitely the anchor of the cast. Yeah. I mean, he has a, a lot of great comedic points to, to himself. Like he's like no stranger to, the, to theater. Mm. Um, he definitely comes from a theater background. Yeah. But I think that he definitely holds his own with this cast because 
he knows when to kind of let things breathe and yep. he's so facially expressive he doesn't yep. need to do a whole heck of a lot no. um and i think that what's really great about this movie is that everybody kind of plays to their strengths yep. but i think he's and and it's spoiler if you haven't seen it um very <laughs> duplicitous <laughs> duplicitous in this movie and i think that that's what's so great about tim curry is his range yeah. is undeniable yeah and you know he gets to play this very you know as as you know as the film comes in he's you know quite stuffy and you know very proper very house proud yeah um butler mm-hmm. and then you know he you know gets into the study and they go through the letters and he gets very emotional and then weak and you know very vulnerable and then he gets very angry and then he gets very scared um and i think what's amazing about him is that even though you have all of these heavy hitters like Christopher Lloyd Martin Mull and Madeline yeah. um, Kahn. And you have all of these heavy hitters. Wadsworth really is the only one in the cast that has a, an arc. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> um, he really has an arc. Um, you know, he comes off, he, he runs through all of these different emotions and all of these different uh, facades yeah. in order to keep the game of Clue going. Yes, yes. Like he, he is the linchpin to the whole like, film, isn't he, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, he's the anchor. He's the little enigma that keeps like, what if it's this? Or what if it's this? Or, yeah. Um, he's the one that kind of perpetrates the confusion. Yeah, it's almost like he's... Brilliant. It's almost like he plays he plays the player of the game because obviously his character isn't in the game. It's not you can't right. play as Wadsworth. He's just he's kind of like he is the player. So or one of right. the other players trying to sow the seeds of deception in there to let everyone else think it's something mm-hmm. else and try and give you the right clues. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great it. part he's got. Yeah, <laughs> so good. I love Wadsworth. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I guess you get someone like Tim Curry who is. Brilliant. I mean, English actor, why wouldn't you put him as a, a butler? Because at that time, oh. certainly that's what we see in American films of the 80s. English people yeah. play butlers. That's that's what it is. You know, Alec Guinness right. plays a butler like... in 10, and it's like, that's where you put him. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Arthur, I mean, yeah. It's not Mr. Belvedere. Like, yeah. And I, but that's the era, right? That's the era of Mr. Belvedere. Yeah. And, I, and un, you know, apologetically, as an, as an American, um, that was what was in our sitcoms. You know, yes. that's what the rich families had a, a, an English butler. Absolutely. Or staff. Yeah. Um, which was really derogatory. <laughs> Slightly, but you know. <laughs> um, for that. But I also feel like in the 50s, um, where it's set, it's set in the 50s, It is right? the 50s, 40s? yeah. I think it's... Early, early 50s, 52? I think, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember now. Um, so it's it's set in that area of... of um, you know, the, the red scare and, you know, things like that, you know, it's, and it's set in that era, which is very interesting that they would, I, and I don't think it's a, a a political statement at all, but that there is that representation there of like, kind of like this global representation. I mean, you also have Yvette who's also faking her, her French accent Um, (laughs) and you have an Asian cook. So, I mean, it's like kind of representative representative mm. of like what was kind of going on in that era, which was really strange. Yeah. Um, and I was also really, and just kind of sidebar, I was also really surprised at that age, the very young age to be like, Oh yes. <laughs> Cop, cops can be black too. <laughs> <laughs> I 
mean, you're growing up in the 70s, you know, in America, and you have like Barney Miller and yeah. a lot of those like, early cop shows in the, in the heat of the night with like Sidney yeah. Poitier and Carol O'Connor. And and it was just like, oh, but you you think like something like that, like, yeah, 60s, 70s, but 50s, early 50s, there was a black cop. And I was yeah. like, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember there being like, yeah. I feel like that wouldn't really happen in the States, but okay. Probably not in 54, <laughs> but, do you know, poetic For the license. For hour in 45 minutes, it's true. <laughs> yeah, we'll let that happen, yeah. Do you know, it's, it's the same as anything else that's happening now. I guess they were they were changing that landscape and going, actually, it's yeah. okay to happen and it, it's yeah it good was mundane it just was and it, it's which is great. it's one of the things that stops the film aging quite as much because they've got that type yeah. of inclusivity in it which a lot of films of this time didn't have i mean Ooh. a lot of films in the in the yeah. 80s were predominantly white films and that's just it mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. it's nice to see anyone in the cast yeah. who's from yeah. another culture so yeah 100 percent 100 with the sidebar folks <laughs> i'm quite happy with that it's all right little sidebars like that are good it's good to have oh, that. Michelle. sorry about that <laughs> if you want to get in touch with the podcast it's my favorite film podcast at gmail.com on x which of course used to be twitter it's at my fave film instagram at my favorite film podcast that's the same on threads Facebook, just search up My Favourite Film, you'll find us. Or go to the website, www.myfavouritefilm.com. And now I've got to do a long bit of the ad, because if I don't, Zencaster get upset at me. So, I'm using Zencaster. Zencaster is an awesome podcasting tool. You log in through your browser, there's no super extra software you have to load on. It just is all straight from your browser. And it will record high-quality audio and video, up to 4K video. It's got a production process in it that will get rid of all those ums and ahs which is handy for me because I um and are an awful lot it'll sort out all of your audio and get all nice and beautiful and whatever else if you fancy getting Zencaster head on over to Zencaster.com pricing use the code MFF and that'll get you 30% off your first month with Zencaster that's really great isn't it by the way Zencaster is Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R there's no E in caster don't know why, but that's just the way it is. Our theme tune was written, performed by the Craig Will Collaboration. Their album, A Long Way Home, is still available by stream and all of that stuff. Phew, that was lots. Have you got anything you want to sell at this point? There? Me? Yeah. Uh, my book? <laughs> your book, of course. I'll put show notes yes, into your book. <laughs> my book is, the, the long title is Love the Sinner, Eight uh, Disquieting Stories Bound in Sin. Excellent. Like I said, you can find that. By Mo Mashadi at uh, in the UK, Waterstones, Waterstones.com. And on Amazon as well, presumably? Is it available on Kindle? Yeah, it's on Amazon, yes, in Kindle form and uh, paperback. Excellent. I shall put show, links in the show notes to that book so people Yay. can go out and buy it. I might go and buy it myself. You never know, I might have a, a little read. Sounds quite good. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Hey. Oh, I also want to just say, if you're enjoying the podcast, please, like and subscribe to it because that's what gets us found. Put some little stars on in Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and all those things and then we get found and other people can listen to us and that's great. Or just shout about us in the street because that's great too. Back to the film. Who is your favourite character? It's not not actor, not performance. Who's the actual favourite character? And you can't pick Wadsworth now because Wadsworth's gone. I know, Wadsworth. Are we talking <laughs> about the game or the film? In the film. In the film. <laughs> in the film? Oh, you go for the game as well. Who do you? 
Who do you always pick as the murderer? <laughs> because the game and the film is different. They're two different yeah. characters. By All right, okay. Cool. Um, Go for the film first. Uh, for the film is, is obviously Mrs. White. I right. mean, it's Madeline Kahn. I yeah, yeah. Top of the hour, did say I had a crush on Madeline Kahn. You did, you did. Uh, just, and just comedically, she is just very great. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> just her whole, I mean, you can pull lines. And there's that whole gif of her with like flames on the side of my face. Um, it's like one of the best lines of the movie. And that was an improv. That was an improv throwaway scene. Yeah. It was her just going off and literally Martin Mull trying not to lose it in the background. Like that's pretty much it. Like it's, and yeah. and I think that her character is my favorite because um, like, like I um, spoke about the box has her as a maid. Yes. So um, at least in the early eighties, it used to, I think she was um, a chef or she's a cook. A chef or a cook or a yeah. French maid. Or I think she's got, she's got the big not- white hat on. So. Yeah, it's a little cap yeah, for a nurse. Yeah. She was yeah. something that was certainly not- doesn't look like Madeline Kahn. New. <laughs> um, with her little, like, uh, you know, bowl haircut. Um, yeah. But I think what's what's so great about her character is that it was sort of new to what I knew of the game. Yeah. So her character was, was you know, you have Mr. Green, you have, you know, Professor Plum, you've got Colonel yeah. Mustard. You know who these characters are. To to me, as a as a kid who'd been playing this game, and I always felt like in the game nobody wanted to be Mrs. White because she seemed <laughs> interesting. Um, she was always the piece that stayed in the box because there was only four of us. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but she was she would always get picked last for yeah. it. So you know, watching her and being like, oh my gosh, she's so dark and mysterious, and she's interesting, yeah. and she's like super funny and. You know, the the point where it's like this very like high tension point and she says to Wadsworth, you know, one day when we're alone together and that always used to make me laugh so much because it was like with everything going on, she's still <laughs> trying to land herself someone um, or another husband that she can, you know, yeah. expend up. Um, but I think that what's what's so great about her character is the way that she kind of... Um, carries herself throughout the film is yes. still the way she carries herself at the end. Like yes. she is no nonsense. I mean, until like they all like fall on the stairs and she's like screaming because she thought she grabbed a doorknob and she turns on the shower. Yeah. Um, like outside of that part, she's still very much Mrs. White. Like yes. she knows who she is. Yes. Um, and I think that that's so funny because when you look at like someone like Mrs. Peacock, which Eileen Brennan obviously hilarious. Yeah. Um, she kind of loses it. Like she yeah. early on, she's like in yeah. hysterics almost immediately. Yeah. Um, and also very uncomfortable and awkward and her, you know, socially awkward. Yeah. But I love that character because she was just so new to me. Yeah. And I was like, who's this Mrs. White? What are they gonna do with Mrs. White? Oh, they're doing this with Mrs. White. Yeah. Okay, I'm interested. Yeah. Um, and she just became my favorite character from from that movie. Secondarily is Mr. Green, because right. I love Mike. Um, <laughs> I just think that his timing is hilarious too. Yeah. Um, he's just very, very smart. Within a lot of these these comedians, um, comic actors come from these these improv crews yes. that you know, are that's what they do. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's we're all very lucky that there are so many of them in one film. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
as you said, as I said earlier, the, the the assembled cast here is just an astounding just cast. Brilliant. It really is. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, a lot a lot of them, certainly from a British point of view, weren't people yeah. we we would have known of when they came out. I mean, Tim Curry, obviously, Christopher Lloyd were big, but the other ones kind of they weren't. They weren't big British stars. You didn't see them in, in much stuff. So they've come from yeah. an American point of view. You probably know them a lot better. So yeah. But. Yeah, and especially like someone like Madeline Kahn, who comes from, like I said, Mel Mel Brooks. Yeah. Like Mel Brooks is like, hey, I'm doing this. She's like, say last, count me in. Like she's yeah. she's in it. Yeah. You know, every project. Um, but for us, we they didn't. I don't think they became very. Um, they they they're very cult classic. I think in this area, this part of the world, you know, yeah. we nobody really saw them until like the early '90s. Especially something like um, History of the World Part One, which is yeah, not yeah. very well. No, probably not. <laughs> I haven't watched that for a long time, but I bet it hasn't. <laughs> no, it hasn't aged very well. But um, and the history of the world part uh, two, which was on Netflix, I think last year, tried to do some redeeming things with it, but just like the magic is not there anymore. No, it, it's, it um, couldn't be. I don't think you'd repeat that. I, I often wondered no. if they would ever do one, and then I heard they'd done one. I haven't seen it yet. But yeah, it's I, okay. You can. It's you okay. Can keep is it? that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not so really bad if throughout the year that's someone's new favorite film. I'm so really bad about it. Um, if someone comes on and says it is, and I've got to do a show on it, I'll let you know. <laughs> you can call me for cliff notes and okay. feel like you, that was, you don't have to watch. Well, that's if you're watching, uh, it. <laughs> Yeah, I loved it. Um, she's yeah, I'd have to say Mrs. White. She's yep. my favorite, but okay. in board games, I would always play as Mr. Green. Why? Why Mr. Know. Green? There was, uh, he just looked smart on the box. <laughs> smart on the box. Um, that was it. That's, that's Fair enough. That's, that's, that's good enough reason. He had glasses and I had glasses, but per, <laughs> but Professor Plum always also had glasses, but my sister yeah. would always take them. My okay. sister would always take that was like an unspoken rule. Like she was always Professor Plum. Right. My sister, my other sister was always Mrs. Peacock. My mom was right. always Mrs. Scarlet. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll be Mr. Green. Cause he looks oh. the smartest. He looks all um, right. <laughs> Never Colonel Mustard. <laughs> no, no. Colonel Mustard, Mrs. White were always in the box together. Yeah, box. Like, it's, yeah. it's weird that, isn't it? I think they were in my house as well. I think they always stayed in the box. <laughs> oh my God. Is it a, is it a thing? I want to know if maybe, maybe you, that's something to look up. Yeah, you, I want to know if you played. <laughs> Anyone out there who's listening who played Cluedo or Clue in their um, youth, were Colonel Mustard and Mrs. White always left in the box? That's what we want to know. There you go. I might put a, a poll on Twitter and see what they say. Because <laughs> now I'm intrigued. Because I was like. It's got to be like, I just always felt bad because that's why I was so interested in her character. Because I was like, <laughs> I, you know, I was just close the lid on her and that was it. She seemed boring and Colonel Mustard just looked mean yeah. on our box. Nobody wanted to play. Nobody wanted to play. <laughs> Nobody wants to be Colonel Mustard, no. Colonel Mustard, no. Not at all. This is probably going to be the same answer then. So who's your favorite performance? Oh, my favorite best, performance. Sort of the actor that gives that best performance. Probably Michael McKeon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, as Mr. Green. Mm-hmm. What is it about his performance that you particularly like? Then I just like how he's very unassuming. Yeah, you know he's he's very unassuming. Um, he 
unmasks himself very early and yep. kind of and as like I said, spoiler if you haven't seen it. Yep. Um he does that to gain the upper hand very early. He also is not playing. Um, so it's, I just love how he acts very, um, accident prone, acts very sort of like an, you know, kind of wayfish a little, very quiet, very small, um, amongst the other men in the group. Like you have, you know, the machismo of Colonel Mustard and Professor Plum is this wise, learned, um, guy and then you've you've got wadsworth and then this like gangsterish uh feel of like mr body yeah um so i think that i like his performance because he is he he turns from just being like very like oh i'm sorry like you know just (laughs) part of the furniture almost to just being like super high anxiety like (laughs) just ripping his glasses off and you know it's i just love the way his character kind of forgets what he's supposed to be doing for a while (laughs) kind of really lives you know he's not the fbi agent for a while he kind of just lives within it um and really plays it up um like he's part of the crew and i've really just always loved that about his character especially when he's in scenes with um with tim curry yes when they're kind of arguing back and forth and everybody's like, you've got blood on your hands. And he has to say, I didn't do it like three times. <laughs> um, and you know, he didn't do it, yeah. which is, which is just great. But I've always just loved, you know, the physicality that he has in that, uh, the really like um, quips that he's got against a lot of these characters, yeah. the way he is, gets kind of shrieky and scared. He's just fun to watch yeah. as this character. I like yeah. it a lot. Talking of quips and things then, have you got a, a favorite line in the film? Oh, God. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's loads um, of them, I'm sure. <laughs> there's loads. Um, I like when... Uh, I have a few. Um, okay. Give us them all. Don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My first one is probably when Colonel Mustard says to Wadsworth, are you trying to make me look stupid in front of these people? And Wadsworth says, you don't need any help from me, sir. He <laughs> says, that's <enough." laughs> Like That's one of my favorite parts. It's good. <laughs> I was like, ooh, that was mean. And I feel like it took me a couple of watches to be like, oh, that's a joke. Because I was a kid. Um, and now it's like one of the, the funniest lines for me. Um but I, uh, there's like one kind of like creeper line that says when they're talking to Mrs. Peacock about yeah. her receiving like the blackmail and they're like, oh, you know, you were in the men's room of, of this. And, you know, how would you say that is? Miss Scarlet leans in and she says, I say it stinks. And Miss Peacock says, how would you know? How, why were you in that men's room? Like, it's just like she's <laughs> <laughs> admitting to it. Um, but also, um, Obviously, when uh, Mrs. White gets kind of, um, you know, it's revealed that she is the one that killed the vet. Um, yes. And this is like, I think this isn't like the second or third scenario at the yeah, end yeah, of the yeah, film. Yeah. yeah, there's plenty of them, <laughs> isn't there? The end where she really goes off, where she's like, I hated a vet. I hated her so much that and she literally cannot get the words out. She's like, flames, flames on the side of my face. <laughs> Yeah, is probably one of my favorites. Um, and then 
where is um oh god Wadsworth says uh oh man it's oh okay. when he's and he's um they find Mr. Body in the um he's dead again yeah. and they find him in the toilet and they pull him out and somebody says why are you shouting and he's like i'm not shouting and he says okay fine i'm shouting and he shouts and shouts and shouts and then the candlestick falls on his head and knocks yeah. him out yeah that's probably one of my favorites yeah. <laughs> i mean there's so many yeah oh, there is um, i mean it, it's probably an endlessly quote the film from yeah. start to finish um <laughs> well given the amount I of times you've seen it you probably can yeah Oh yeah, yeah. I could just be like, I could prattle it off. But I think that those, especially the Colonel Mustard and Wadsworth one, yeah. that to me yeah. is like the funniest. Yeah, because it's just so cutting and mean, and yeah. then he finally realizes what he, what's yeah. going on. It's just perfect and comedy then, timing that one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, and and Tim Curry's delivery is just like deadpan, oh, and yeah. I think that just makes it so much better. Yeah, um, just deadpan and then so, move yeah. on, isn't it? It's it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. it's like get on with it. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, to, ex- to extend that have you got a, a favorite a favorite scene yes um on. one of my favorite scenes is um when it's mr green and yvette uh right. have to search the attic yes and they're going they're going up the stairs oh they're about to go up the stairs and she's like go on i'll be right behind you and he's like all right and then none, neither one of them moves yeah, <laughs> like, they're they're just like <laughs> all right and then they just don't move they're just scared and then they finally go up the stairs and the stairs gets like narrower and narrower yeah. and she's like falling out of her costume yeah. it's super funny it and then they all um they hear a scream downstairs and then they collide on the landing, like Mrs. Yeah. White and Wadsworth and Yvette and Mr. Green, where they just like, that's that vaudeville piece where it's just so physical yeah. and yeah. then like everybody gets up. But I feel like you can kind of tell that <laughs> in the split second that, <laughs> and I want you folks to tell me if I'm wrong, um, for a split second when they kind of all get up, you can tell that <laughs> Madeline Khan is a, a man in a strapless dress. <laughs> <laughs> With a wig on, because she's very husky when she gets up. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's yeah. like a split second. Just a split um, second where obviously the stunt double's there. Yeah, the stunt, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're a big stunt double. Like, they're not yeah. petite. They're no. just like, boom. Um, yeah. There. But yeah, those are probably my favorite. There's that scene where he's like, neither one of them are moving because they're both really no. scared. I, mean, I always it, love that. It does play in all of the old slapstick tropes. It, it's yeah. brilliantly slapstick. <laughs> but is there anything in that you kind of go, ah, oh, do you know that that doesn't work? Or there's a bit that you just, you can't watch for whatever reason. It's just something that you think, I just can't mm. watch this bit because of X, Y, or Z. It's mm. really not a part where I can't watch it. But I mean, in the beginning... Um, when the cook is killed, it's, yep. it's incredibly fat phobic <laughs> when they're trying to carry her to the couch. Like, okay, she's not that heavy, guys. Like, leave her alone. It doesn't take five of you. Um, you shouldn't be exhausted. Like, I feel like that's a that's a joke that, you know, is is yeah. of its I, I would love to say of its time, but um obviously mm. fat phobia is still a thing. Um 
unfortunately. But I think that's what probably one of the scenes where I'm like, eh, we probably could have done without this joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's funny. Um, but I think it's a it's a plot point where they had to like kind of squish <laughs> Professor Plum in between, you know, the two, and he gets that kind of like point where he has to put his hand on her <laughs> yeah. backside. And it's like, oh, we forgot you're the dirty bird. That's that works. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, that, that I guess the the point of having five of them around the body carrying the body is just to put them in that situation so they can do yeah, another yeah. gag on the top of it. 100% like the Probably, means to an end. So. Yeah, it, it's yeah. not really fat phobic, but it kind of is. To get to, for, that, point. Get to that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a difficult <laughs> one, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, it's itchy. It, but would I mean, it, would it have been funnier if they hadn't done it or doing it? Does that make right. it funnier? And then so. there's one, there's a scene in the, the trailer for the movie yeah. where Professor Plum is looking into Yvette's cleavage. Right. And going, I'm looking, I'm looking, and that's nowhere in the movie. <laughs> there you go. I'm gonna have to watch the trailer now and see if I can see yeah, that because I don't remember seeing that in the film. You're right, yeah. Yeah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna see it. And I was yeah. like, for what, what, what is that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably that that scene. I don't think I think they did really well with not making any. And and what I I I if I'm if I'm wrong definitely anybody out there correct me on this mm. I think that they definitely were very good about not making any type of like um because that that era you know there was a lot of stereotypical jokes yeah, going yeah, around yeah. we have a diverse cast um and there really wasn't anything and when when Mr Green um as his as he's playing his part reveals himself to be homosexual yep the only gag i guess quote unquote would be where professor plum kind of just wa- walks away from him and i think that's all that's said about it yeah and then i yeah. think then she she says at the end um and one of the things which i guess that this could be another problematic piece yeah um, and not, I guess this it, it, it is, yeah. um, where in in one of the um, scenarios at the end, where it's it's revealed that Mister Green is a plant, he's he's there to just kind of observe yes. and 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 be there part of the FBI. Yeah. Um, and he says, "I'm a plant," and Miss <laughs> Miss Scarlet says, "I I thought you you guys were usually called a fruit." Yeah. And that's yeah. you know a knock on that. So I think that you know outside of those like the fat phobia and like that line um i think they did fairly well without being yeah overly in the period that they could be i mean yeah and, and there's a, there's a good mix isn't there yeah. cuz as you said as you said earlier they've got a black cop which you wouldn't have had yeah. in 54 but at the same right. time they do make fat jokes they make homosexual jokes it's kind of mm-hmm. it, it's <sighs> It's a difficult one, but in the 80s, yeah. certainly, that was the done thing as well. You know, oh, that type yeah, of joke sure was all over the telly and all over films in the 80s. So yeah. it, it's it's of a time, I guess. And whether it's right or yeah. not, it is of a time. As long as you can say, you know, it wasn't right, but it was of a time. And that's the jokes they used to make. So that's the way it is. It'd be yeah. difficult to recut the film to take that type of thing out. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. And I think that, you know, we did kind of get off easy in the eighties playing and, you know, things like that. There's a lot that could have been in there. Um, but I think that, you know, it's no, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that those, those things were still in there. I mean, still is obviously my favorite film, but I think that I, when you have something that's that you love, um, you and not necessarily everybody has to, but you you should love it enough and 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 respect it enough to be able to poke some holes into it, you yeah, know, and to be like absolutely. not everything was a hundred percent no notes. Um, especially if you've lived with a film as long as I've lived with this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what I is it? Thirty. Thirty-eight yeah. years old now. You know, it's, it's nearly forty years old. It, it's it's an old. I'm one hundred and five, folks. It's, <laughs> but I think you know, being lived in, and I think maybe you know, when you know better, you do better. And I think as a child, and even as into my teens, and maybe my early twenties, um, yeah. those two things would not have bothered me. I think. I think I would have. They would have glazed over me yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But knowing, you know, knowing where we are, knowing that th- those things aren't okay, and that, that you know, sometimes they're overt and in your face, and yeah. you know, meant to hurt people and meant to harm people, which is yeah. not not which is never cool. No. Um, but I think that you know, being able to say this part is is yeah, you know, there's some questionable things in yeah, it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Being, being able to say, you know, with these two things in there. Um, is it still your favorite film? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's still my favorite film because I yep. can say without these two things, they could have done without, um, yep. and it still would be a great film. Yeah. Um, it's not something that would be like, oh, well, it's really part of the film and it's part of its fabric. And if you took it out, it'd be a different film. No, no it, it wouldn't make a difference. Put them in. <laughs> it's, it's very much, it's two throwaway <laughs> gags, isn't it? If you missed up that yeah. scene of them carrying the body out, or if you missed out the, the plant fruit joke, it, it wouldn't make yeah. any difference. You know, it doesn't, it's not going to wreck it as a film you took them out. So, yeah. Let's talk about the endings then. And I'll put a little spoiler alert in at this point and go, if you haven't seen it, there are three endings to this film, and we're going to spoil all three. Yeah. In in the States, I believe it was originally put out, and they let the audience vote on the three endings. So you could actually vote which was the one that they want. And I believe that ending C, or ending three, depending on which way you put it, is the one that was voted for by the majority of the American public that were allowed to vote originally. Yes. And that's the one that they call, I think they call it, What here's what really happened. Is yeah. kind of, That's the one that they decide was the best one. The ending, yes. What, what do you think of the three endings and this sort of gimmick of having three different endings? I think it's a great idea. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I think that that's, that's the familiar, if it ended with like, oh, this, you probably would have gotten people being like, tired of playing the game yeah because that's the ending scenario that's what it's you know i mean i feel like you have to give the permutations that's the game the game is how many possibilities are there yeah yeah yeah. um so you have to you have to play into that and i think that was i think it was a a brilliant idea to do that yeah absolutely and i love the the um the the ways that they go about doing that is having Wadsworth recreate everything um, at a hyperspeed. Just, just absolutely like 
Tim Curry at his absolute oh, absolutely. finest. Yeah, yeah. Absolute finest. And um, I think that was a really great way to do it because I feel like um, when you play the game, those of you have, that have played it, um, yeah. once you get to the envelope and everybody's right, it's kind of anticlimactic, yeah. isn't it? Oh, well, yeah, like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> That's it. Game over. Let's go home. Let's do something else. Yeah. <laughs> much it put the weapons back in the box like it's it's very like lackluster but i think with you know having that opportunity to recreate it every time like i'm going to tell you how it was all done i'm going to tell you how it really happened yeah but here's what really happened i think that just gives more excitement not only to the game mm. but also to the to the film at large being like we respect that this is what happens this is what the permutations are yeah um and for that and i and i can't help but think that um that um you know working through that 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 wasn't anthony e pratt's um probably one of his suggestions is yeah. like uh, you know as we're writing this can we can we make up other scenarios yeah i love it i think it's just the smartest way to end the film yeah 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 um, and i think that especially you know kind of ending it on the note with mr green being like this is was all a ploy to kind of arrest everybody. To get everybody, yes, yeah, yeah. Do, um, which, is which ending would be your preferred ending? Then is it the Mister Green's the the good guy one, or I, kind of, I do like that, but honestly, I <laughs> I like the first ending. I think where yep. it's um, I think the first ending is Mrs. Peacock, right? She gets out. The first, the no, ending? the first. That's the second. And Scarlet's the the Scarlet murderer. Is the first one, right? Yeah, yes, and she, Wadsworth right. is actually the FBI. Is the red herring. One plus yeah. two plus two plus one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You see, I could do this all night, folks. You can. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not embarrassing. You love the film. It's, it's nice to <laughs> thought someone's really passionate about the film that they've said it's my favorite film. <laughs> Sad. I do have a life, as you heard at the top of the album. But I do when have you got time life. for that? <laughs> but I love the second ending right. um, because um, the way Wadsworth is like, let's sing her song. And everybody's like, for she's a jolly good fellow. They're <laughs> just singing her that on the way out. And then like Mrs. White like takes it to like another hand and eye in the background. <laughs> like, like got a whole other part going i think yeah. that's really really funny yeah. um and then uh what i think this, something happens and like mr green gets like slapped and like somebody pulls a suspender yeah. like it's like it's all very like oh you guys it's, it's very um, slapstick and yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i think i really really love that oh when he says uh we oh Wadsworth says we always get our man and he says Mrs. Peacock was a man and then he gets slapped and then like this happens like it's just it's sillier than the other yeah, two it is you know, it is I mean, it's very silly <laughs> it, it's odd I think that the the American public picked the one that was the only one where Wadsworth wasn't the FBI agent yeah and that it wasn't Wadsworth that was actually there in, in the the third ending which we as you've said Mr. Green becomes the FBI agent. Wadsworth actually was Mr. Buddy and he yeah. murdered the butler in order to take his place to get everybody in there. And it's a completely different end to all the others. Yeah. Do you, it's a different question because I mean, you weren't there, but why do you think <laughs> the American public picked that one to be the ending? What is it about that one? Do you think that? I've thought about this a couple of times. <clears throat> 
I think it's because I kind of killed a few birds. Right. It definitely helped to, at that point, I'm going to say in the early 80s and, and um, <laughs> for some reason in the early 80s, <laughs> there was a lot of spies that were British who were the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. That's so what we did. Like, well, you're either a butler or a spy. There's no in between. Yeah, um, <laughs> two lines of work, two paths in life. The butler to spy pipeline is very strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that that was kind of serving that purpose to be right. like, eh, we always get the British guy. Yeah. Um, but I also think that it was a way to kind of, and I and I and I say this in, in part of like the kind of like under the problematic cloud. I think this was kind of um, to make the people who might've been homophobic comfortable that Mr. Reed yeah. was not necessarily homosexual. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that it, makes sense. Yeah. I think it was kind of, cause we are in mid eighties, right? Where yeah. the, the, the smack dab in the middle of the, the, or maybe like heading into the new um, pandemic. And I think it was, um, was it uh, like section 23 over here too? Uh, it was like in that era. Yeah. Yeah. Would be. Yes. Um, but I think that that was probably something that they were trying to do to be like, yeah. oh, calm down. He's not really gay. Um, which is unfortunate, um, mm. that they yeah. were trying to yeah. quell those, those kind of like bigoted minds. But I think that it was a way for them to just be like, just to be like really super tidy about it. Because yeah. the, when you look at the other two, one person did it all yeah. where it's like the third one, like everybody did a little something yeah. and that was like, that's the game. Yeah. Um, I, suppose so so, I, think yeah. that, I think that's why they were, like, they tried to fill those, those kind of buckets. That's just personally what I, yeah. what I think. I suppose Probably that, yeah. the strongest one was the third. Yeah. I suppose that, that third ending does, does fit everything, doesn't it? It ties everything up quite neatly. It, yeah. it gives you the double cross element to it that I guess the other ones are missing. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, get that. Yeah, and normally talk about remakes. And actually, in my notes, I've said how could you make it, but I've actually looked into it a bit further. They are planning on remaking it. They have I been know. since two thousand. Got Ryan Reynolds at the helm, I think. For Ryan it. Reynolds and Jason Bateman. Yeah, is certainly is two of the cast, and they're the only two cast that are attached to it. I don't know who yeah. they'd be playing, but I trust a little Jason Bateman being in it because I did like uh, Game Night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that makes sense, Ryan Reynolds. You can do it, yeah. I'm sorry, Ryan Reynolds has to sell me on stuff. You are funny at times. Yeah, um, he has that. I, He's very good yeah. sometimes. And other times you think, really, is this what you've stooped down to? It's yeah. I have known Ryan Reynolds since uh, there was a sitcom in the early '90s called Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place." Yep, I remember and, it well. Um, then it just became Two Guys and a Girl because the pizza yes. place burned down. Right. <laughs> oh my god. How old is she? Um, <laughs> Slightly younger than so, me. <laughs> with Momo Um, But I feel like I'm excited about it, but also I'm a little sad about it. I also heard that they were trying to remake uh, or put a sequel to Labyrinth, which I was yeah. like, please stop ruining yeah. my childhood. Um, so I'm interested to see. Will I see it when it comes out? Yeah, probably. Um, will I look at it with critical eyeglasses on? Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, if, if, assuming, it, assuming it does go ahead, would you like them to do the same type of thing to still set it back in the 50s? Or do we bring it up to date? I mean, I don't know what they're doing with it. There's nothing saying what how they're going to do it. They just keep oh. talking about, we're going to make it, we're going to make it. But I feel like you're going to need it, need to set it back into a point in time where technology is not where it is now. 
Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. unless they're going to be like, you know, leave your keys and your cell phones yeah, and your yeah. Apple watches at the door. Like it's, it's, it's gotta be a, a way that you can't like that the call can't come from inside the house yeah. or some kind of way where they are absolutely back to basics, bare bones, crippled and cannot contact each other. Yeah. Fair enough. Or, um, it's, it has to be where it, it, I feel like it's gotta be, you know, both ends of the spectrum where it's that, or if it is in this realm and, and they kind of have to utilize technology to kind of figure out or that type of elimination, but they have to be able to do it really, really well. Yeah. Um, um, and if they do, they're going to be really smart about it because, as we know, technology moves uber fast these it days. It certainly does. Yeah, yeah. So it could definitely be outdated by the time uh, it rolls out, especially Very considering quickly, where yeah. our Hollywood predicament is in this industry. Um, uh, absolutely, yes, yes. <laughs> we'll not talk about that too much because <laughs> I believe no, it's all sure sorted now. I think it's all I mean, sorted, it's isn't sorted, it? But we, yeah. I mean, with all of that, um, with all of that stagnancy. There's so many projects that are just like coming summer 2028. Like yeah. it's, you know, yeah. that's kind of where we are. Unless they have the capital and the interest and things like that, things will move forward. But yeah. again, will I look at it with critical lens? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you Absolutely. should. If it's your favorite film, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm disgusted the remake in Highlander. I'm not sure what they can do. That's my favorite film, the Highlander. Yeah. There could be only one. That was yeah. a joke. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, was, there was five anyway, wasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> I know it didn't work as a joke, but it was trying. No, to no, it's be. fine. It was good. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> definitely trying to be one. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm excited about it. Like, obviously, that that that's so great that there is is love for it out there, and yeah, just uh, if if they stick with the same characters, or even if they introduce something that is a Wadsworth adjacent, yes, I don't even know who has the caliber of well, of I, Tim Curry in this. I assume that's Dana. the role that Ryan Reynolds is putting himself up for. Oh, jeez. <laughs> My it, apologies. It, yeah, no. It would, just Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> it would just make sense that that's the type of role that he would put himself. I can't see him as mustard or green or plum. It just doesn't work. So he's he's got to yeah. be putting himself forward for the Wadsworth character, I suppose. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it actually happens. Is there anything we've missed? Is there anything you want to say about it other than that? No. I mean, I I love the fact that you've got um, two really brilliant. Actually, you know, I I do love Colleen Camp's character as a vet, but she's like at at the end of the day, highly sexualized. (laughs) Yes. Um, as is, you know, as is Leslie Ann Warren's Miss Scarlet. I mean, it's a little bit more subdued, but I think you have two two really great uh female leads there yeah. with with Scarlett and and um and um uh, Mrs. White but also yeah. just for Mrs. Peacock I think what's so nice about that is that you have um and I even she might have even just been in her like 40s maybe early 50s at that point but you have this woman of a of a certain age in this this film yeah who is you know you know a little hysterical at the forefront but even like in her piece in one of her scenarios where she is the the major culprit that has that has killed everybody yeah. you have her with this, like gangster swagger which i think is absolutely wonderful yeah to see not you know she's a senator's wife which is 
you know, you obviously like the, you know, right hand man behind every great man. There's a, yeah, 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 yeah. But you can tell that she's been given this. She is the one making the connection. She yep. is the one handling like the dirty work and getting her hands dirty. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. her husband, like she has that real gangster feel to her. Yeah. Um, and I think that Miss Scarlet does too. Like she's running this underground, um, you know, escort service. Yeah. Which is being okayed by you know the police because obviously they're customers. <laughs> um, but I think I like Mrs. Peacock's angle better because she's really been outside of like, you know, Mr. Body knowing what she's doing. She's flying under the radar. Like she's yeah, yeah. doing this kind of like corporate killer stuff, which I'm really impressed with. But on the other hand, that stuff happens in the States all the time and I hate it. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, um, <laughs> But I, I just really, I like, I like her character. I like the way that yeah. the women were set up. Um, I found it very interesting, especially in the, you know, the, <laughs> we've got Jane Weedlin from the Go-Go's yes. as like yes. a telegram girl, which yeah. is really great. I forgot about um, that. <laughs> I was going to mention her, her cameo <laughs> role. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not even a walk-on. It's like a tap-on. No, no. <laughs> um, bang. That's it. Um, but I think that like having those little, extra flubs is something that the the game is missing i think that that's the film has given us what the exciting pieces that the game is missing absolutely like you don't have the side quests of the motorist or the cop or the singing telegram person you just you don't have that and i think what's so nice about the film is that it also gave us more plot points to talk about the different scenarios. Yes. Um, so I think that it was just really, really smartly done to yeah. kind of add those. Because what if it was just like the six of them running around a house? Like, what fun is that? Like, it's it's, it's going really to Yeah, yeah. Really quick. And, yeah. you know, the addition of like Yvette and, and the cook. Um, and I, I just always think of them in my brain as like as side quest characters. Yeah, they are. So, yeah. That's exactly what they are, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, it, just it, kind it, of in the pocket. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a very different film. You'd have just got the six characters and that was it. And you'd just have to have six stories, I suppose, going around them, finding out their own investigation and coming together and going, I think it was. Right. That'd be really dull. Yeah. Okay. Getting towards the end. Yeah. The tough bit at the end. I think it's tough anyway, but other people have just gone, yeah, this is easy. Can you sell the film in about 30 seconds? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yes. Go on then. Six strangers bound by blackmail are tasked to survive a dinner party and hopefully get out alive. Brilliant. That's it. It was less than 30 seconds, but we'll give you that. It's fantastic. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's been... A... I mean, I... Oh, go on. That's interesting. <laughs> what made you want to see it? <laughs> well... Do you know what? Like, say, it was what that film that I, I saw in Mainbox thought, really? But I've seen it again, and it is a really, really good film, and I could recommend it for anyone out there. We've Thank said the things, the, the things you need to be aware of, we've mentioned in the show, so maybe, you know, be aware of those things and of the age mm-hmm. of the film and that type of thing. But other than that, mm-hmm. it's, it's a really funny slapstick film, and I think that's the best thing. It, it's got a lot of slapstick elements in it. So if you like your comedy yeah. like that, it's it does that brilliantly. 
Stacked cast, nobody misses a beat. There's not one unfunny moment in yep. the movie. I absolutely yeah. love it. It's brilliant. Anyway, <laughs> yes. Thank you very much for coming on. It has been a pleasure talking to you. And someone who obviously oh you gosh, love this film so much you can tell. The it just <laughs> echoes through. It's great. Embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. It's great. It's embarrassing. This has been great, though. I love at every opportunity any opportunity to kind of just talk about and their films are so formative to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they definitely take us to even if it's a, a a film that's come out in the last decade, they they take us to a certain point of our life where yeah. we, you know, where we were going through something or or it reminded us of something else or it brought Absolutely. out you know something in us. And I yeah. think that's that's incredible that cinema can do that. And I'm yeah. so happy that you have that you have a podcast like this. I think it's so important to Brilliant. work through that as humans. This type of media to have this kind of catharsis is awesome. Yeah. So thank it you is. for creating the space. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for coming on. It's been lovely. Um, can you just remind us where we can find you out there in the the big wide world of social medias and stuff? Sure. Um, on the artist formerly known as X, I am <laughs> at Momoshati. Um, M O M O S H A T Y. I'm also on Blue Sky, on uh, the same, and um, I think that's pretty much it. That's more, okay. That's more my I should put links in the show notes for that, and your website, and the book on Amazon, and wherever else it can be found. And yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on, and bye bye. Bye. Are you trying to make me look stupid in front of the other guests? Don't need any help from me, sir. That's right.